0: Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of the B2B Marketing Perspectives Podcast. And today we have on a guest, Bill Glenn, who is a CMO and a veteran in the world of marketing. But what we're going to talk about here is an area of marketing that that gets a lot of attention, but not a lot of solutions. And we're talking about CMOs, how do you create your dream relationship with sales? because nothing matters in what you do unless it's enabling the sales department. And they're looking at, they're understanding, and they're utilizing all of the materials and the content that you're creating. So Bill, what I'd love to do is maybe give us a little bit more of a broader background on Bill, and then we'll kind of launch into the meat of the subject matter here.
1: That sounds great, Steve, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Um, So currently, I'm the CMO at a company called Blueboard. We're an experiential recognition reward company. So we think about how we can get employees to be more engaged, more productive, and build a better relationship and employee experience between the employee and the employer. And the thing that we think about is how do we get away from traditional means of compensation like cash and gift cards? And instead, how do we get people out on experiences living their best life and thriving And in turn, we think that if companies are recognizing, rewarding their employees with experiences, they'll be more memorable, meaningful, and shareable. And we think that that employee-employer relationship only gets stronger when those moments happen and employees can actually get out of the office and or out of their homes to go experience something with family and friends. So it's been a, a really interesting journey over the last 10 months that I've been here. Um, We've seen a lot of interesting opportunities for us to drive our content into the marketplace and get people to think differently about our industry. Previous to Blueboard, I've been a four-time CMO, uh, head of marketing at mostly Series B or Series C startup companies here in Seattle. So I'm based in Seattle. Um, And uh, what I think I've, I've really enjoyed about my 25 years of B2B marketing is that how do I think about that relationship with sales, and how do I think outside of the job of marketing and try to create more value as a as a leader in the company, not just for my function, but about the whole growth side of the business or the whole go to market side of the business? So, for me, the I think the biggest uh, win about you know this conversation today. Is you have to think about the person on the other side of that partnership that you're working on, that being the sales leader. And I don't think that you can realistically understand them or meet them where where they're at, unless maybe you've actually been in their shoes. So going all the way back into my career, I started my career in sales. And I think that that's made all the difference for me to understand the day in the life of a seller, the day in the life of an SDR, growing up in that environment in my 20s, I get what it means to have that, you know, those moments of fear, uncertainty, and doubt of, can I do this job? Can I handle the rejection? But more importantly, can I actually enjoy solving and working with, with people to solve their problems? And for me, that was the win of all of it. And I've tried to carry that through my entire career.
0: So that's a great place to start, right? You So you've got a Fantastic, 4 times CMO, but you started in sales, business development. So understanding that mentality, I've had other CMOs that have actually said, it's, it's hard to really understand the mentality of sales unless you've done that, okay. unless you've had that quota over your head, right? unless you've had some of the pressures. But tell us maybe just to start off, what does a seller want from marketing? Right? Seller, CRO, that side of the business. What is it that they're looking over at us as their partners? We want them to look at us as their partners, but what is it that they want? Yeah.
1: I I think that the short answer, the quippy answer is like they want the easy button. And I think that, and I mean and I mean that in the positive, most positive of ways because we're trying to think about in marketing, how do we reduce the friction? That a selling, uh, a sales professional would have in making connections with our prospects and customers. And so the easy button is if a marketer can really understand not just the ideal customer profile, but more so, I think it's the conversation around the buyer journey and what is the customer or the prospect going through, really putting yourself in their shoes and trying to think intentionally about what is that conversation going to be between the seller and our prospect and customer and if we can think through those interactions to say if a if a salesperson is lucky enough to get those you know call it 5 to 10 interactions through the beginning of a sales cycle they need to be meaningful they need to be valuable for the customer and they need to build trust and credibility between the salesperson and the customer or prospect and so i think what sales is looking for from marketing is what is the content that I can stand behind and I can, one, understand deeply. Two, I can think of, the salesperson can think about it in the context of solving the customer's problems. And three, I think it's how does the the interchange or the conversation go down in a way that while, we're, while the seller is providing value and handing over content to the customer, at the same time, they're also trying to dig deeper and really understand either... Could we solve the specific pain that the customer is challenged with or be honest with them to say, okay, what you're suggesting your pain is maybe we're not the best solution provider for you, but maybe there's some other things that you have going on that we could help you with. So it gives, I think it gives that give-get opportunity to really dig, dig deeper and do more discovery with the customer and not just go immediately into solutions but really to say, let's fully understand everything you're trying to solve. And then we'll come back and see how we can help, but we can add content layers along the way. And I think that's marketing's job is to think about those pain points of the customer and see if our content and the way we help shape the conversation with sales will help build that better trust and that further deeper dialogue
0: to have multiple conversations over the course of a buyer journey. So. You said so much that was so good there, but I'm going to pull one aspect out to have you maybe dig a little bit deeper on. You talked about that the seller wants to establish trust, establish credibility, add value, right? Is that done exclusively by selling the products or services that you're representing? Yeah, or, or is it is it beyond that? Is it value in the industry? Is it value to their jobs? And is it a part and a role of marketing to help set the salesperson up to have that trust, to have that ability to provide value over and above what the company actually does? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I, I think what's interesting in this
1: generational dynamic, or what I've seen sort of over the last five, let's call it five to 10 years in my career, is that there tends to be less loyalty to companies, right? Like people are very much free agents today in the professional world. And so what I think is interesting about marketing's relationship is you have to think about the fact that you may only have that seller for one to two years, And that seller will take relationships with him or her as Mm. they go on in their career, assuming that they stay in the same industry, right? So the relationships stay, but the value that marketing provides is how do we continue to bolster that credibility of the salesperson such that that trust isn't just about a transactional moment in time, that trust is about a real relationship that is formulating and will span Mm likely over half decades or decades even if that individual leaves the company and so i think the role of marketing is to help build that trust and credibility for the long term and we we do that over think, thinking about not just the life of that customer journey for that one transaction but what is the true life of that customer mm-hmm. and you have to think about the the if you will sort of the short longevity that takes place even on the customer side these days, that I think has been one of the biggest challenges for sellers in this environment is you get six months into a sales cycle, your champion leaves the organization. Do you start over? Well, hopefully not, because if marketing is doing their job and they're providing content all along the journey, the intent is that sales is multi-threading through that and through that company and they're, they're building not just that one-to-one connection, but it then becomes a one-to-a-buying committee connection. And if you lose that one champion, you actually have other folks that you've been starting to build your network out with inside of that organization. And to me, that's the true value of account-based go-to-market. It's not anymore about one lead, one person, one-to-one transaction. It's about you know spreading your conversations across the organization figuring out all the different places and people that you need to know, not just for one deal, but for the longevity of that account as for them as a customer. And if you're doing your job in marketing, it's thinking about all aspects of the journey of the customer, but it's also building specific content for the different types of people that are involved in not just the one buying decision, but those that a seller is trying to build relationships with, over the course of you know call it years with one particular account.
0: And that that buying group is so important too, right? Because Sure is. You might be talking to one person that has an influence inside of that buying group, but the decisions being made across that buying group. So that content right. that you're creating also doesn't it have to be highly shareable, right? <laughs> right? Like you need to design it in a way that somebody can click a forward button or a share button and easily share what you're sharing with them.
1: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't have said it better myself. And we have a perfect example at Blueboard. We just launched our own uh, independent research project. We commissioned it through a third party, but you know we're, we're upfront about the fact that this was our research. And it was very intentional to say, do in- individuals, do employees value things over experiences or experiences over things? Like just getting to the root cause of like what or or to the root solution of what do employees want in today's economic environment, and we ended up producing uh, or the results of the research were very dense, and I and I mean that in like if I handed that to a seller and it's just raw format, nothing would get used, right? So we intentionally thought about how do we think about the different mediums in which a seller could then take that content, not just marketing but a seller would actually use this content so we thought about it in terms of email sequences short form video giving a little bit of a script for this for the sales team to say i could shoot my own video to say of all the content that came out of this research there was one data point that i thought of when i was thinking when i was reading through it i thought of you mr or ms prospect or customer right. and that's how you get that content used and you also create the value that you're giving to the salesperson to say i can personalize that because marketing has teed this up in five different formats given me cheat sheets given me th- like things to think about but at the same time you know we're asking our sellers to take the time to actually ingest the research and i don't again don't mean all of it we give them the executive summary of it But for us, it's like, if there's three things that you take away, we always think about things of the big three, you know, if there's three things you take away, it's these three things now tailor that as, as you, as you think about it for your prospect and customer. And I think that the fun of that relationship that we're building with our, like between my sales lead and myself is marketing thought. We thought of like the 10 different ways that sales would use it. And then we said, how else might we use it, right? We came to sales leaders and said, we don't know all the answers, so what do you think? And they came up with like three or four new ways that we hadn't even thought about how a seller could actually activate that content from social selling to write in a email signature, to intentionally saying, hey, we could actually direct mail this thing if we wanted to, as you know, kind of going back old school of drop a research report in the mail and have it land on someone's desk, either at home or in the office. Like just, you know, kind of what's old is new again is kind of fun for a seller to say, hey, it gives me a reason to call because I know when that thing is going to land on their desk.
0: So what's brilliant about that is a over 60% than another survey of content that marketing creates, sellers look at and they say, it's no good, right? Yeah. A big reason why is because they don't even know about it, right? So what you've done here is brilliant is You've given them ownership on the content in terms of how it needs to be used, which presupposes they actually know what the content is, right? <laughs> you know? And so getting that dialogue together and asking what would be a successful way to put forth this. And and by the way, doing your own research, that's proprietary content. That's your thought leadership. That's fantastic to yeah. begin with, right? Thanks. So you're doing the right things to create the right content, you're thinking about how it's digestible. You're working with sales to say, how in your workflows, how can this be used? Let's brainstorm about this. It's a single team effort
1: at that yeah. point. Yeah, we, we really do try to think about it as like, this is, we, we stop calling things internally account-based marketing. And we're we're talking intentionally about account-based go to market. And that that cuts across oh, like sales, it. marketing, account management for our existing customers and our RevOps team. And I think that RevOps is going to be the sort of the next wave, if you will, of true go-to-market of like helping all the organizations on the growth side come together, not just with data, but to think about things like sales playbooks and to think about social selling. Like what are the ways that, you know, the new ways that sellers need to be able to be adept at to make connections. And I, I don't know about you, Steve, but like You know, I get hit up 100 times a day from sellers on LinkedIn now, and the immediate thing is, you know, request to connect, you know, very little in terms of like why you're asking to connect with me. And then 90% of the time it's, hey, I want to sell you something, right? And one of the things that I've done over the course of my career is I've invested marketing dollars into SDR training for social selling. And I used a third-party company, they're called Luminetics. Um, they're a, a subset of a company called Mod Girl Marketing. Mandy McEwen is this CEO of that company. But her job specifically, her company's job is to work with individual SDRs, think about how to build their brand uh, and create their own, if you will, profiles in a much deeper way so that when people see that they're being asked to connect with those folks, They get a better understanding of who is that whole person, not just the person who's working at a particular company. But then the training is more about what are the first four or five interactions that you're going to have with that person that have nothing to do with you selling a product or service to them. It's about building that meaningful relationship. The sale will come over time. I think the challenge in today's economic environment is everybody wants you know how many SQOs, how many... You know, how many meetings set can we get? Everything's metric, metric, metric. But at the end of the day, in enterprise B2B, relationship still is king. And I think that if you can demonstrate that you're here to provide value first, everybody knows that at some point you're going to be sold to. And that's okay. But I at least want to know that I'm starting to build some trust and credibility. And the person on the other side of that interaction wants to get to know me a little bit more, not just, you know, kind of push their product on me. And I think that's the job of marketing is teach the SDRs like how to actually build their own brand and how to actually build relationships, even if they're just starting at the top of the funnel.
0: And that building their own brand goes back to what you were saying earlier, which is we're going to build your brand. We're going to build your relationships. And if you stay with this in in this industry, this is a benefit long-term for you. That's Right. right? That's right you' yeah. that's a whole nother level of support from marketing that I've actually never heard. and that's fantastic. yeah. Uh, I've Steve, also if I, if I could just add one one other
1: thing that I just thought of is uh, at our at at Blueboard we had an individual who was recently promoted from uh, SDR role into an AE role. And oftentimes you hear about this of like what is the longevity of an SDR's career? like how long can they stay in that role before they burn out? And I think a lot of lip service has been paid over the years of, you know, oh, well, the natural career progression is go from SDR to account executive. But I think so much of the success of a, of a person moving from that role from an SDR to an AE is if they actually build the relationships such, such that when they move into an AE role, they actually have an instant Rolodex of trusted prospects and customers that they say, hey, I'm just in a new role now, but my my job still is to serve you and to help you solve problems and so the title really is irrelevant if you're doing your you know you're selling and you're connecting and building your brand the right way if it's all about providing value to the customer then at the, at some point in time you're just switching roles and you're saying well now I can actually complete the transaction with you but at the end of the day did I build trust with you or not and that SDR who actually has now moved up to the AE role who was great at building relationships he is actually crushing it as an AE immediately out of the gate. So there's been like no ramp time for him because he's just, he's kind of done it right all through the the journey of going from SDR to AE.
0: It, it, you're putting an entirely new definition on the dream relationship with sales, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. tell me there is, so that's, that's building and investing, right? In your sales team, yeah abm building investing in relationships that's a long-term strategy tell me about though the cmo relationship with the cro yeah right? because cro is also challenged with you've got to make things happen right you've got that quota so there's there's this yes there's this understanding expectation set on abm longer term relationship building but there's the reality of quotas too So in this dream relationship, talk a little bit about kind of how you work with the CRO and what that looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. In my, I guess over the course of my career, I think that the things that I've learned about that relationship beyond just saying it's essential to to build that. And it's not just about build it in the work environment. It's literally like, hey, really get to know that individual, understand their family, understand their own personal challenges understand what motivates them to show up to work every single day. I think one of your other guests talked about understanding their compensation model, especially on variable comp. I think that that's brilliant, right? It's like, you have to understand the financial motivations just as much as the personal motivations as to what makes that individual tick. But I think for me, the the success of building that relationship, I think comes in the form of besides just saying, let me put myself in your shoes. It's trying to think about the balance between short-term wins and long-term relationship building. Right. And oftentimes in startups where I've been, we don't get a lot of runway both on the marketing and sales side. And you know, we've talked about your, your other podcasts talk about you know the short tenure of CMOs. And so when I've come into an organization, I've tried to work immediately with the CRO to say, what is the three-month quick win or set of smaller quick wins that marketing can deliver to sales that can help you to either close deals in quarter, or to build next quarter pipeline, but it's a basically like a 90 to 180 day window at max that you're just trying to say, what are those small things that we can do now, while we're also sort of building the, you know, the mega engine, if you will, for ABM of the future, account based go to market. We have to have trade offs. We have to have a little bit of both. If you go one way fully, one way or the other, it just, it. I don't think it works, and I don't think it, I don't think it allows the the sales leader to say are you really understanding what I'm going through and the pressure that I have right now to deliver? So in my most recent company, one of the things that we did was uh, rather than just saying, we're going to go interview the customers and like really get to know them. We actually said, we're going to go do a deep dive interview of all all of our sellers and understand what they need Then we're going to roll that back up to the CRO and we're going to say, of all the things we heard, this is what we think rose to the top of of what we think your sales team needs based on what they said doing our own research. Interestingly, the CRO said, hey, you know, I actually think three out of these five are must-haves. These other two, we don't need them, right? And so that was beautiful for us to hear that because we thought we were going to have a very big list of short-term deliverables. And instead, you know, having three to prioritize on and then getting agreement from the CRO saying, these are the things that are actually going to move the needle for our team in the short term and getting that commitment up front. It just set our team up for success to say, then we're going to go build these things. We're not going to forget about account-based go-to-market, but we're going to we're going to hear the salesperson and the salespeople for what they ask for, and we're going to deliver to, the, to them the things that they need to to be effective in the first 90 or 180 days for me on the job.
0: You know, what's so brilliant about that is, you know, as CMOs were told, you have to understand the customer. You have to represent the customer, right? In fact, Gartner wrote about the CMOs becoming more of the chief customer officer, right? You have to do that. But what's brilliant about what you just said is, and so we go off and and, and we have interviews with customers, right? We do deep dives for customers. Which we have to do, right? Nobody's saying you don't have to do that. But what you just talked about is doing the same kind of deep dive, but with your sellers, right. right? Because they're the ones that are on the front line every day. They're the ones that are troubleshooting, solving problems, you know, know where they get into roadblocks, where they, you know, need to take a right turn and they don't have the right materials to yeah. do that. And they, if you don't have that kind of a deep dive relationship with them, then how can you? be in a dream relationship with them. That's right. Is that the takeaway that we should be that, having here? That, that is. And I would take it one
1: step further, which is when we when I started, the the thought was, hey, go interview 10 or 20 customers, learn the ICP, but you don't really need to talk to our sellers. You can just listen to the recordings on gong. And so we did that. We're like, okay, that's fine. And and so we learned a lot about that interaction. But that taking that to the next step was the the thing that we learned about, I'd say, three to six months into my tenure here, was that just listening to gong calls, just listening to recordings of that interaction, doesn't get to the true heart of what sales needs. And it's not until you do a one-to-one interview with them, just like you would do with a customer and have a preset list of questions to say, how can I make your job easier? Where are you getting stuck? Where are we falling down versus our competition? we'll get varying answers from each seller. But interestingly, you know, when we started to aggregate it, we're like, hey, there's a lot of common challenges that we found that we can actually knock out with just a few additional either trainings or pieces of content to help the sales team do their job better.
0: And I would imagine that the relationship that you're building with the sellers from the beginning, understanding, building their own brand, seeing that you're there to support them only opens the door to have these kinds of conversations. That's right. That's right. And what I would say is we
1: take, I think that that allowed me to take it one step further than with our CRO to say, uh, you know, how do he and I have the meetings before the meetings when we're in with the rest of the executive team to say, Hey, you know, did we knock it out of the park with this particular campaign? Where did each side do well? Where did we fall down? And so when we start to get, you know, conversations around dissecting our performance so much of that relationship, the dream relationship has to come with, do you have my back? Do I have yours? What are we gonna talk about, right? The pre-planning of like, let's be honest about our results, but let's also go in as a united front to say, this is is what we're seeing. And we're not throwing one group or the other under the bus. This is, we own one number, we're all about revenue. And like, that's where I love the account-based go to market motion. It's not about what's marketing doing at top of funnel and what sales doing mid or bottom funnel. It's like, no, we own one number. We are all revenue oriented. Forget about like, frankly, some of your like other guests I know talked a lot about MQLs and top of funnel. For me, that's almost irrelevant at this point. It's all about how do I measure on real pipeline, real revenue, and if we're not hitting our numbers, let's not try to dissect it by like, you know, whose attribution is this? Let's just say, how are we going to collectively go solve the problem moving forward? And it's all of our problem, not just one department's.
0: I mean, that's just a a perspective. And it it might be the perfect lead-in here to, if there was one key takeaway Mm -hmm. that you had for the audience that's listening here that you wanted them to remember, what would it be? Yeah, I think um,
1: your success is... 100% 100% dependent on the success of the sales organization and that doesn't mean that marketing be, you know becomes a service desk to sales but what it does mean is that you as the marketing leader have to deeply understand the motivations of your CRO you have to really understand what it means to be in the seller's shoes day in and day out and you have to treat that relationship between the CRO and the CMO as much gold as you would treat the gold of a customer to a marketer relationship. So don't take any relationship for granted inside your, you know, whether it's your CRO or any seller, there's so much value that you can garner from anybody on the sales team and building that relationship. But it starts with the CRO and it starts with building the trust and dr- driving for both short-term and long-term wins.
0: Fantastic. Well, uh... You know, if if there are more questions that people have, is, is LinkedIn a good place that we can connect people with you?
1: It it sure is. I'm at William W. Glenn with two ends. But yes, LinkedIn is uh where I live and breathe.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, Bill, thank you so much for coming on and expanding our our thoughts on the dream relationship with sales from marketing. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome, Steve. Happy to do it.